Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, three and easy at the King Power, Chelsea FCW go back to the top of the WSL and the under-21s lead the way in PL2. Basically, everything's coming up Chelsea. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight out of Cobham. Well, a very happy Monday indeed then, gang. What a weekend it was across Chelsea Football Club. Here to bask in it all alongside me, Matt Davis-Adams, are two of the Athletics' finest. Simon Johnson's with us. Morning, Simon. Hello. And Liam Toomey's back and better than ever. Did any of you honestly think I could watch Kai Havertz's last two performances and not switch on to this podcast? We're going to hear from Kai Havertz later. Um, I'm sure he did thank you somewhere in the uh, interview that Simon did with him, but we won't hear that clip today. Uh, Anyway, three wins in a row, three goals in a game for the first time in five months and a first victory away from home since October. A decent weekend then for Potter's Peeps. We'll analyse the larraping of Leicester next. Koulibaly here. Chilwell on the volley! There you go! X-Factor Supreme Ben Chilwell! They're not booing him now, or if they are... It's drowned out by the Chelsea cheers. Havertz with a sublime finish. Good ball, Havertz. Mudrick cushioning it. Captain Kovacic buries it. Chelsea have the cushion. 3-1. Hard fall win, as as away games in the Premier League always are. I thought Leicester were very spirited. We were good in our finishing. We can improve some things, of course, but overall delighted to win. Delighted with the uh, application of the players and... To come away with three points is fantastic for us to, to complete a positive week. Well, like the slow-cooked chicken stew on which Simon and I dined pre-match in the press room, Leicester's defence fell apart. Uh, Chelsea scoring <laughs> three goals in one game uh, and having, what, at least half a dozen more ruled out by VAR slash Andrew Fisherman, who was all at sea refing his first Chelsea game in a year. Uh, let's see what Simon thought post-match. I think confused might be a good word to use here. Final whistle just gone. Chelsea win again. This is getting uh, it's getting ridiculous. Three wins in a row. What's going on? First time Chelsea won three games in a row since October. What a difference a week makes. Leeds, Borussia Dortmund, and now this quality entertainment. Oh, here's the uh, the PA announcer. A very emptying King Power Stadium. The Leicester fans haven't hung around. They've been uh, heading to the exits for quite a while, but. The scoreline actually doesn't do justice to the game. It was uh, neither team were very good defensively. Both teams could have scored a hatful, but Chelsea decided to conduct their own goal of the season competition in the same game. Chilwell got things rolling with a beautiful volley, overshadowed, of course, I think, by goal of the season candidate number one, Enzo Fernandez, with a lob pass worth 106 million pounds. 
to the rejuvenated Kai Havertz for the sublime first touch volley finish. Lob. And then Kovacic decided to uh, threaten it with an absolute sublime third. But Chelsea weren't that solid at the back. It could have gone wrong a few times. But again, a bit like the Dortmund game, a bit like the Leeds game. When they needed a bit of luck, they got it. Mainly because Leicester's finishing was, was not good enough when they had guilt-edge chances. We're now seeing the Chelsea players go and address, walk over to the, Le the Chelsea fans in the corner here. Graham Potter is with them. I think he's enjoying this moment. He wants to be part of the team. And yeah, it's, it's suddenly all very positive. But on a day where there's been a lot of talk about whether the match of the day is going to be shown or not, those of us that were lucky enough to be here at the King Power certainly saw the goal of the day. That was Elbow featuring Simon Johnson with <laughs> One Day Like This. We've heard some great remixes this season. Great harmony with Guy Garvey there, Simon. <laughs> I'm just glad the music came in to get, make it sound a bit more uplifting than my actual, <laughs> my actual summary of that game, which was... Pretty lame to say the least, but uh, yeah, but I, I like the way the music came in there. It saved it. It saved it from being a wasted two minutes. Not to dwell on it, but it's a weird choice of song to play after you've just been beaten <laughs> yeah. again and your fans are chanting, Brendan Rodgers, you're taking us down, but um, yeah. never mind. It was actually more reminiscent of the soundtrack to my inner monologue as I woke this morning to a world in which Kai Havertz has scored back-to-back -back <laughs> decisive goals. <laughs> two days like this um, Simon when we spoke after the game we were kind of trying to work out whether Chelsea had played well or Leicester had played badly it's probably somewhere in the middle reflecting on this Monday morning it was a weird game it's probably sort of why I sort of sound a little bit confused uh, more than normal because there were moments where Chelsea were clearly the better side and I think in, in terms of how both teams played and, and, and who played the better football it was Chelsea but Chelsea just had would have these mad moments. For example, the the manner in which they they sort of gifted Lister away back in, although it was a great strike by Daka, you know Felix messing about on the edge of his own area loses the ball, sort of one of the cardinal sins, gets punished for it, and then and then after that it was five minutes where they just Chelsea at the back just lost the plot, couldn't complete a clearance, and was just inviting the the pressure on Leicester, Kepper flapping at, at crosses which, which gifted two incredible chances Gallagher blocked, blocked one effort on the line and then Dewsbury Hall produced the kind of finish I'd be proud of by sort of scuffing uh, when the, the goal was gaping and Brendan Rodgers had started celebrating and they were like oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a weird one because Leicester should have scored a hatful but Chelsea they had two, two goals ruled offside Felix maintained his woodwork per match sort of quota, um, should have scored that. Um, there were some other sort of great moments. And, of course, the, the goal, the three goals. I mean, it waited uh, a long time for Chelsea to score three goals in a game again, but you couldn't have picked three better ones, to be honest. So, Liam, we had two changes from the team that started against Dortmund. They were enforced upon Graham Potter. Rhys James was poorly and Raheem Sterling was injured. So, Mikhailo Mudrik and Ruben Loftus-Cheek came in for them. Um, I guess it was 
fair enough to to pick the same team as far as he was able to from the Dortmund game. But um, maybe we saw here there's still a bit for, for the likes of Mark Kukurea to do to convince that he should be selected in that position ahead of a, a bad issue. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why Potter wanted to build on the positives of that Dortmund performance. It's completely, and just more broadly, to to have some level of consistency of selection, which has been sorely lacking in Chelsea's season. But it was almost an opposite performance, where they were they were nowhere near as convincing as they were against Dortmund in terms of their defending, but weirdly clinical. Whether they were offside or onside, the finishing was was really really good, and and. Chelsea's scoring is still slightly limited in that now apparently they can only score great goals. Um, they need to find a few scruffy ones, but yeah, convincing in the final third and not really anywhere else. I just checked this this morning before we started recording and Leicester won the XG, Matt. <laughs> they had more than two XG, which is enough to win you a lot, most games. And for context, they haven't had a shot on target in their last two Premier League games, had they? So that is fairly significant. Yeah, I did find Chelsea's defending quite concerning. They they are set up in a similar alignment to the system Tuchel picked when he came in, but it's nowhere near as convincing in terms of the structure without the ball yet. It may may well get there. And N'Golo Kante coming back might well help as well. But certainly a, a lot of improvement needed defensively, but it can only be encouraging to see Chelsea finish like this. Three great goals, two more that were marginally offside, but very impressively dispatched by by Felix and Mudrik in each half. But most important at the moment is the results because the results maintain the confidence, they maintain the sense of momentum and they'll give Chelsea the belief that they can iron out those defensive issues. So the first goal obviously came from a left-wing cross from Kaladu Koulibaly for Chilwell to volley in uh, from the right flank. Danny Ward didn't do very well uh, with it, but it was a nice finish anyway. I spoke to Ben Chilwell uh, for the fifth standard Chelsea FC after the game. Let's hear a little bit of that now. This is him talking about the goal and what the reception he got from the Chelsea fans meant to him. Yeah, uh, I think it was probably one of the most enjoyable goals for myself in my career. Um, you know, it's it's no bad blood at all. I really enjoy coming back here and, and seeing all the you know old faces that I used to see all the time day to day. Um, but when it's that 90 minutes on the pitch, of course, I'm going to give everything to, to win the game for Chelsea. And thankfully today, I, I contributed with a goal. And just in case anyone was in any doubt, Ben Chilwell's won the European Cup. That was quite the reception you got from the uh, the away supporters today. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I love that today. I love uh, the way the fans got behind us and, you know, they have done all season. It's been a difficult season, but they've stuck with us. Um, and yeah, today to hear them, you know, singing that song the whole game was nice for me, gave me a little bit of a boost. Um, and then at the end, you know, the scenes going over and seeing all the fans, you know, a lot of them travelled up the up the country today to support us. And um, thankfully, we gave them three points. And you know, it was just a good moment at the end, you know, when we all went and celebrated with them and just showed that togetherness that we all have. Many thanks to Chelsea TV for letting us use that interview. You can download the fifth stand-up for loads more Chelsea content. Uh, Simon, I wanted to include that because he is the basis of your piece for The Athletic, which has come out today. And the fact that Manchester City are linked with him and why Chelsea ought to be hanging on to him. But it's not cut and dried, is it, as you point out? Yeah, I mean, it's not just a link. It's just, it's genuine. It's genuine interest. And uh, yeah, I, I got quite a few negative comments on the piece uh, on Sunday evening, and, I, and I was I was happy to engage. I think I understood why some some readers were sort of 
looking for a more upbeat piece after three wins in a week, but this is me you're dealing with, and uh, <laughs> listen to the voice note. Um, so, but I, I, I just felt it, that there was a connection there because Chilwell had another fine game. I thought he was brilliant against Dortmund, and he, he's getting back to his best. He started six games in a row, and there is this sort of genuine sort of threat that Man City, who need a left back, will come in for him in the summer, and 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 Chelsea are going to sell players this summer. They need to bring some more money in and they are looking at players with one and two years left on their contract and that's the situation with Chilwell. And basically what I'm saying is, yes, this is happening, you know, as in there is this threat that, that City, City see Chilwell as a possible target, but I'm obviously arguing, which sort of seemed to be lost among the, the people that were commenting negatively, that I was actually arguing, no, don't do this, Chelsea. It doesn't make any sense. Um, he's too good to let go and he'd be strengthening a rival. And he, he seems genuinely, genuinely happy at the club. I know that's probably not breaking news to anyone, but he was talking to uh, Leicester personnel post-match near me and one could tell that he was very happy about life near Cobham, where he lives. And it didn't sound like a guy that was wanting to leave anytime soon, but of course the club may, may think differently. I, I hope not. Yeah, it is important to read right to the bottom of the articles before you comment on them. I always find the very last line is, he does not sound like a man who wants the relationship with Chelsea to end anytime soon. Chelsea should be thinking the same. I would say that's pretty unequivocal uh, backing from Simon. Uh, Liam, I wanted to talk about Mikhailo Mudrik because he got a rare start here of late. Uh, he was on the, the left of the front three, but sometimes came in centrally. He got an assist. He got a goal as well for a little while. He did a nice little Drogba knee slide celebration only to turn around and, and have his joy cut short. How, how do you think that he did? Because it's, it's been a while since we've seen him and it's been even longer since that memorable cameo at Anfield. Yeah, he was actually in the Sterling role in this game. He He was the one asked to pin the Leicester defence and try and stretch the game to give room for Havertz and Felix to, to operate between the lines. And while the threat of his, his speed certainly um, helped achieve that, I think Felix and Havertz's performance is a, a testament to that. He did look a bit lost for certainly the first half of the game. I think he did look like a guy who's trying to learn that position and Whenever you put someone up front who isn't a striker, as Chelsea have found with with Havertz, among others, you risk asking them to play with their back to goal a lot more than they're comfortable with. And occasionally that that seemed to be happening with with Mudrik when Leicester were putting pressure on. Um, That's certainly not his game. He can maybe adapt a little bit, but he did look to me a lot more comfortable once Chelsea switched to a back four in the second half. He moved to the left, which is where he played the bulk of his time for Shakhtar Donetsk. And I believe that's where he was playing from when he ran in and scored his offside goal. It was a shame for him because he he really wasn't offside by much, but he can at least take heart from the fact that he did finish it and that when the next one comes along and he's onside for it, he should be confident he can finish that one as well. Yeah, speaking of negative pieces, so I was being sort of lined up to do a, a, a Mudrick watch um, and I was watching his every move, making a lot of notes. And there weren't very many positive ones for quite a while. He was on the periphery of the game for a lot of it. He was being bullied in, in any kind of 50-50 exchange with Leicester opponents. But then it ended, I think, positively. I, I, I 
his head could have easily gone down. I, I thought when actually the subs were being made, I thought, uh-oh, here we go, he's going to be taken off. Uh, but he was kept on. And I, and I like the fact that he kept going. I was gutted for him that his goal didn't count because I think it would have meant the world to I think it may have made, give him the confidence he needs but the assist, the assist for Kovacic's goal was was good. You know the fact that he he managed to get a head, a good decent header on Havertz's slightly overhit ball, was key. And so I think it still ended in a positive fashion. But what I want to see, and he's not being helped by his Chelsea teammates here, is 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 him being given the ball in a bit of space for him to actually run with it. Because you can see when he's running with the ball, like defenders are going, oh, oh my word. In fact, for the the Felix, um, the goal that was disallowed, one, you had Cucurella passing to him. Remember that sort of outcry a few weeks ago. Uh, lovely ball, lovely run uh, into Ruben Loftus-Cheek. First time ball, Felix scores. So he, he saw a few flashes there and, and reasons to be optimistic that he will come good. But of course, what he also isn't being helped by is Arsenal fans gloating. But of course, they missed out on Mudrick and signed Trossard instead, and and he's uh, lighting it up for them in their in their title challenge. But of course, he's well and truly settled into the Premier League in English football. Mudrick isn't. So, let's revisit this conversation and comparison in a year or two's time. Okay, so he's taken a while to to settle into the Premier League. Wouldn't say the same for Enzo Fernandez, who is absolutely brilliant in this game. Not least Liam, the scooped assist. For your boy Kai, if you want to just um, say I told you so for a couple of minutes now, I think we're all um, we're all okay with that. No, I think the only thing to say from a Havertz perspective on that goal is there was some freelance commentator on Twitter who <laughs> who, who tweeted uh, this old Kai Havertz goal, Matt, I think his name was, um, from about a year ago against Newcastle to win the game where he just had this brilliant touch and, and finish from a Jorginho pass, the kind of pass that, a lot of people thought Jorginho was never capable of. And so we know Havertz has got that in his game. And we also know that the thing he does best is moving into space in the box at the right time, rather than trying to attack a ball from a standing start against more physical centre-backs. That's just not who he is. And so, I, yeah, I think Chelsea haven't really looked for him with passes like that enough, but it also does require a midfielder with the vision and the the technique uh, that Enzo Fernandez clearly has, and it was really, really creative to see that opportunity in the moment, and obviously brilliant um, to execute it flawlessly. And it and it dropped so nicely in front of Havertz that everyone else in the vicinity, including the goalkeeper, was completely just paralysed and just watched it to the extent that it was maybe the most downbeat brilliant goal I've ever seen. No one no one celebrated it because they just assumed he was there was going to be an offside check, which is a really depressing indictment of the VAR age, I think. And it I hope that doesn't harm its chances of winning goal of the month. The fact that it was so that, that there was so little spectacle to the aftermath because it was a brilliant goal that reflected really well on both players. Yeah, at least we've got more than one contender from the men's team for goal of the month for March this time around. Um, Simon caught up with Kai Havertz in the mix zone after the game. Let's hear a bit of that now. Football is our life, so if you lose a game, 
of course, you don't have an easy life at home as well. And uh, everyone at home, especially my girlfriend, had some tough weeks as well in the last <laughs> and months. So uh, I think she's happy now again and I'm happy as well. How much does that affect? Can you talk about that? Just how much it does affect? I mean, for, for you guys, it's the same. If you have a bad day, bad day at work, you, you go home and you feel a bit. Uh, I don't say the word now, but uh, you don't feel good. So uh, obviously, football is a is a game where um, we have a lot of pressure on our shoulders, and we want to make the fans happy. And if you don't make them happy, it's, uh, it's not a good time. So winning is always the best. Today we won again, so we can enjoy today. Well done, Simon. It must have been difficult to empathise there, because of course you've never had a bad day at work. Um, unlike. Andre Mariner, he eventually had to send Valfast <laughs> off. Uh, he didn't even give a foul for Daniel Amati imprinting his studs onto Kai Havertz's chest. Um, Liam sort of alluded to it there with the Havertz goal. Not even Graham Potter celebrated it. Nobody celebrated it because it's just kind of assumed that it was going to be ruled out. Obviously, it's a difficult job, etc., etc. But uh, yeah, the officials, whether they be in Stockley Park or on the pitch at the King Power, didn't cover themselves in glory. No, and you feel you feel bad when you sort of. I mean, I, I tweeted uh, on Sunday evening because when I found out Andre Mariner was VAR for Casemiro's red card, I couldn't help myself to be honest because I just found that I just found it so. I mean, it was a harsh red card to begin with, but given that the man sort of just over about twenty four hours earlier had missed sort of studs going into chests and uh, Ricardo Pereira's absolute shocker. Within two minutes on um, on Felix, I mean that was an awful. I mean that was red card all day long. What? How on earth? I mean you don't like to see players get sent off, but you do like to see them get sent off for blatant, horrific tackles. And, and Leicester were produced a few. Must admit that for balance, Leicester could complain about a possible penalty. Wesley Fofana sticking his elbow out. Um, Enzo Fernandez also did a little little naughty one. Uh, I think it was on on Madison. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, one doesn't like to pile on officials, but sometimes you, you can't help it because when you see ineptitude at this level, you feel like they have to be called out for it. And of course, people are frustrated that they don't come out post-match and, and explain why they didn't give anything. Um, that doesn't help matters. But yeah, um, just to echo what was what Liam's already said, for a world-class goal to be sort of not get the, the treatment it deserves sort of, in terms of celebrating the fans. Going away. Yeah. Oh. One of the only things I find more tedious than talking about refereeing decisions or VAR is writing about them. So I'm, I'm very happy um, that, that those decisions didn't affect the outcome so that they didn't have to be Simon's piece or, or something that I'd be looking at early this week. But having said all that, I found the Ricardo Pereira one in the first two minutes of the game, absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the more inexplicable things I've seen since the introduction of VAR. And I, I'm not talking here about the referee because I think in the moment, a referee can miss anything. Obviously, they're trained not to, but occasionally it happens in real time. But for a VAR to either not even look at that, in which case there's a serious problem with the system, or to look at it and think that's... He didn't even get booked in the first two minutes of the game for, for studying for, for studying Joao Felix on the ankle, a bit higher than the ankle, actually. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if it was deliberate or clumsy, but either way, the end end result is the same. And ultimately, to me, whenever things like that happen, I also have a horrible feeling that it's it comes back to the accepted referee wisdom that the opening minutes of a game should be just the card-free zone, whatever happens. And that it's somehow incumbent on the referee to preserve the game as a spectacle. No, it isn't. It's on the players not to commit red card offences in the first 90 seconds of a match. You know, if, if he'd sent him off, it wouldn't have been a controversial red card at all. For there to be no action taken, I just thought was absolutely inexplicable. And it's it's fortunate that it didn't end up affecting the outcome of the game too much either way. All right, well, before we move on from Leicester, just a little nod to Mateo Kovacic, who, who definitely doesn't score tap-ins. Every goal that he scored for Chelsea has been a beauty. And and also, Simon, I think it's worth pointing out that, that there has been progression in these three wins over the week, right? Leeds was gritty. Dortmund was kind of as much about the, the atmosphere and the sense of occasion. And, and this was... A more controlled performance, if you know, as as we've mentioned, there were elements of the defending that, that left something to be desired. But you can see that the team appears to be getting better. The relationships are, are definitely forming. I just want to shout out Enzo Fernandez again. Um, you could almost do an Enzo Fernandez special just for for today, because yes, the, the scooped pass for Havertz was obviously the the eye catching, eye catching one that most people are talking about, but. If you actually look at the pass that he puts through to Havertz, the build-up for Kovacic's goal, it's just world-class. And and I think, you know, there are fans of Jorginho still around the club, obviously, but I'm already sort of going to go there and say they've upgraded. He's producing the kind of passes that Chelsea haven't had since. Cesc Fabregas was, was a Chelsea player, and that's why you're starting to see some much more attacking threat um, and, and yes, Chelsea fans should be a lot more upbeat about things, despite sort of the morose tone in my voice. But that's just being old. You'll get there one day if you're young. You'll, you'll understand. And, and let's hope they carry on the momentum against Everton, because what a way to go into the international break, four wins, and hopefully maybe not sitting in 10th anymore. I, I know I know 10th is a love, it's been a lovely place to sit for what seems like eternity, but... Who knows, Chelsea might be able to to finish quite high if they carry on this momentum. So they are a point behind Brentford, having played a game more, two points back from Fulham and Brighton. Chelsea got a game in hand on Fulham, but Brighton have only played 24 to Chelsea's 26. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, by the way, you know you've done well when the official club Twitter account changes their bio to reflect your performance. Uh, it is simply, we've got Enzo in the middle with a musical note emoji. Uh, so well done to Enzo and everybody else. Uh, well, it was a winning weekend all round for Chelsea. More on that next. Hello there, I'm Ali Maxwell. I'm the host of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Michael Cox, Liam Tharm and Mark Kerry. Each week, we try and better understand and explain, where possible, the game that we love. And we look at things through a a tactical and analytical lens. We love a deep dive. We love to myth bust and just generally try and tackle 
football discussion in a depth and in a way that I don't think you find on many other pods. In recent weeks, we have released a two-part series looking at the state of football management. We've also looked at understanding Red Bull football and how well it travels outside of the Red Bull empire. Join us over on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast feed. Just search for the name of the pod wherever you listen to yours. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Long again, looking for Kerr, and she brings it down superbly, and she scores brilliantly. And that really is what Sam Kerr is all about. Excellent ball forward from Lauren James to pick her up, but from that moment, instant control on the chest, and she dinked it up over the goalkeeper. In the game of the season, it's one of the goals of the season from Sam Kerr. You know, it was a big performance from the team. I think, obviously, I scored, but... Um, so many people stepped up today. We had Guru fall sick right at the last minute, and it's not easy to change the lineup and the injuries we've got. Um, everyone stepped up, and I'm so proud. That's why we're the team that we are, because um, everyone here puts in a shift and, and makes us have good performances against good teams, even when maybe we've got five or six missing. On Sunday, Chelsea returned to the top of the WSL table, courtesy of a 1-0 win against Manchester United at Kings Meadow. Surprise, surprise, Sam Kerr got the goal. Our own Jesse Parker Humphreys went one step beyond by sending us this voice note. Full time at Kings Meadow. Um, what a massive, massive win for Chelsea. 1-0 against United to go top of the WSL. Uh, obviously, the win... Midweek help, but this always felt like it was going to be a massive fixture to bounce back from the Conti Cup. Uh, it wasn't always pretty, although the goal was um, fantastic finish from Sam Kerr. Great assist over the top from Lauren James, although I don't know if she was exactly looking to put it there, but maybe I shouldn't uh, doubt Lauren James. But Chelsea been looking to hit that space in behind United all through the first half, and uh, Sam Kerr chipped it over Mary Earps. Uh, there was a... An intake of breath, I think, as most of the ground thought was going to go over the bar, but then it um, fell into the net. And and from there, you know, Chelsea probably had the better of the chances, but uh, United didn't really offer much. Some amazing performances, though. Millie Bryant and Alessia Russo I thought was fantastic. Jesse Fleming in midfield just pressed absolutely everything. Didn't give United any time to settle on the ball at all. And ultimately, Chelsea just had that ability to close out the game. That's, that's the difference, I think, between when you're a team trying to win your first ever WSL versus a team who are going for their fourth in a row. But, um, yeah, you know, Chelsea missing Aaron Cuthbert, missing Guru Wrighton today. So it was by no means a gimme this game and um, a big, big confidence boost for the side. And it's lovely for Chelsea men and women to win on the same weekend. Are we through the looking glass? surely are in Wonderland, even if none of us are called Alice. Some might say I've got Tweedledum and Tweedledee with me today, but that would be harsh. (laughs) (laughs) Some might say. Tweedledum, I'm quite happy to take that. (laughs) Um, In the voice note, Liam, Jesse dares doubt whether Lauren James meant that pass. Um, Jesse's been a fantastic contributor to this podcast this season, but I am not having that 
at all. It was the pass of the season. I mean, the goal was pretty good, right? But the pass is just extraordinary. The fact that you're already referring to Jesse in the past tense suggests to me that you, <laughs> you, you, where you stand with regards to that pass. Um, I must admit, I didn't know Lauren James had that in a locker. I, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you normally see. I mean, it, it's more the way Reese James plays that kind of pass, but even he would be, to be honest, it reminded me more of a Cesc Fabregas pass to go back to something Simon mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Brilliant flighted ball over the top into the box. It was still a really difficult take and finish. And Sam Kerr just makes it look so incredibly easy, doesn't she? They're two awesome, absolutely awesome touches. And uh, yeah, it it feels like Chelsea have responded in the right way, haven't they? To to the challenge that Emma Hayes laid down to her players following that Conti Cup final defeat. It seems like it's had the had the desired effect. I know she's. She's changed the team around a bit as well, I think, as much to keep players on their toes as much as anything tactical. And the quality of this squad is 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 coming to the fore at the right time. And and what you want in these big in these big matches is your biggest players popping up with, with moments of quality like that. And that that pass and that finish worthy of winning any game. Yeah, it was a depleted Chelsea as well. Frank Kirby, Guru Wright, and Penilla Harder, Katarina Svitkova and Erin Cuthbert, all unavailable. Um, Simon, we talk about this a lot, but it just amuses me so much in retrospect that I want to keep bringing it up. Remember when we were like, oh, Sam Kerr's a bit like Timo Werner, isn't she? You get all these chances <laughs> and don't finish them. Let's wheel out. Right, you know, let's, let's go back there. Uh, nice to hear Timo Werner's name on the pod again. Um, should be turned into a drinking game uh, <laughs> for us older people that are that are over the legal limit. Uh, <laughs> dig himself out another hole. Um, yes, Chelsea women once again showing showing great character, bounce back from adversity. I just like the fact that on the same weekend, <laughs> the men and the women's team have have managed to get the same despairing look from an opposition goalkeeper. For Danny Ward, Reed Earps, the United goalkeeper, that same kind of agonising, oh, the ball's going over my head, there's nothing I can do about it, it's just, and they just have to watch it. Beautiful. They, they, should do, they should double it up. Chelsea admin, they should do a double double frame picture of the two goalkeepers just sort of glancing over their shoulder. Um, United had a couple of penalty appeals, which I think the United coach moaned about. So, you know, brings back memories of other United managers, but uh, but no, massive three points and Chelsea women are doing what Chelsea women do. They they, they just find a knack of, of winning the games that matter to, to get back to top spot on the table and let, let's hope they go on to, to win another title. Yeah, and as we've been talking about, March is a, an incredibly important month with the Champions League to come, big league games and uh, the next match, which is on Sunday, is the FA Cup quarterfinal. That is at Reading. Would you like to become the headline sponsor of the most authoritative Chelsea podcast on the planet? Would you like to be front and centre on Straight Out of Cobham alongside Liam and Simon and Dom and Sam and Matt? Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of highly engaged blues fans every month? Well, of course you would. Your brand can advertise with us now. Our skilled and charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. 
Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-21s went top of the PL2 table on Saturday. They beat Liverpool 3-1 at Kings Meadow. David Fofana, Mason Burstow and Ben Elliott got the goals. Means the Blues are a point clear of second place Manchester City, albeit they have played twice more. Um, Liam, do you reckon this is where we're going to see Fofana for, for the rest of the season more likely? I, I guess it's it's one of those a bit like Amari Hutchinson maybe in that it's better to be getting regular football than you know the odd minute here or there. Yeah, I mean, the the impression that I got when he was signed from people who'd watched him a lot um, in Norway was that he was nowhere near ready for the Chelsea first team. And I, I don't think the plan was for him to be coming on against Manchester City at the Etihad to make his debut, to be honest. It was more a reflection of where Chelsea were from an injury standpoint and just from a general chaos standpoint in January. He's a talented guy. He's got a lot of potential. You can already see it in the the little flashes he's produced in in first team games, but he's not he's not a polished diamond yet. He's uh, he's still very very raw. And I, I think in an ideal world, as with Amari Hutchinson, Chelsea would have found a loan home for him in January. But failing that, I think it is better for him to be getting development squad football, even if it is probably a step down in competition from from what he was having at Mulder in the first half of the season. So we'll see how he goes. I think it'll be up to him to to embrace this opportunity now and and make the most of it and not and not think about oh where where am I going? Am I stalling here already? It seems from that early goal that he's embraced it in the right spirit. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure he'll have a very good loan spell at Coventry next season. Uh, the next game for the under-21s is at home to Everton on Friday night. So a winning weekend for everybody, but the under-18s, they went down 3-2 to Brighton on Saturday at Cobham. Tudor Mendel Idowu got the Blues goals in that one. Uh, it was announced last week that Hassan Suleiman is the new coach, replacing Ed Brand, who followed Jody Morris to Swindon. Suleiman's been a part of the academy setup at Chelsea since 2008. His most recent position was as the under-16s head coach. Right, we're just about done for today. Simon, what's on your agenda for this week, please? Um, more upbeat uh, commentary, and um, I'm going to write a piece about a certain goalkeeper. Gaga, Lady Gaga. No, um, I was, it's going to take me a while to get used to the nickname that Slovenia likes to be referred to. Um, but yes, I'm writing a piece about him and how he's setting in. All right, gives me the opportunity to uh, make the very laboured joke that I already have several times before. His name is Gabriel. He wants to be called Gaga, but he wasn't born this way. Little one for all you Lady Gaga fans out there. Still listening. Liam, help me out. Uh, what are you going to be writing about this week, please? Just thinking about the SOC Lady Gaga Venn diagram and whether anyone <laughs> at all falls into it. Um, well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Simon's got a rubbish poker face. I mean, I don't know any more <laughs> Lady Gaga songs, so we'll, we'll have to um, leave it there. Simon didn't write about him at the weekend, so I will be messaging Simon after we're done recording and humbly requesting his Mudrick Watch notes uh, <laughs> because I, I'll be writing a piece about him this week and more broadly about how Chelsea just can't seem to ever accept attacking players for who they are and <laughs> want them to change. All right. Looking forward to reading that. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently 
a subscriber. Thanks to Liam and to Simon and to Jesse for their contributions today. And, and Graham Potter and Chelsea, it looks like it's not a bad romance after all. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. That's it for now, though. The Athletic.